0: All right, so good evening again. This is where we left off with question three. However, I don't know about y'all, but the book kind of bothered me that it kind of just skipped everything after chapter 12 of Samuel, so of 2 Samuel, that is. So I did just a quick little summary, if you'll bear with me, for a couple of minutes so we kind of know what has happened, because... I don't know. It just seems like we left a lot of stuff, left over it. And then if we want to talk about any of these things, we can do that, even though it's not in the book. Okay. But I'm just, I just have a summary of these. Like if we look at, uh, going to start in chapter 13. That was the first thing that we skipped over. There was Amnon, who was one of David's sons, uh, loved Tamar and forced her to lay with him, and I say loved in the sense that that's what it says. Um, Tamar was Absalom's sister, and uh, you know, Absalom Absalom also was David's son, and then the interesting part of that, if you look at verses 15 and 16, after the deed was done, Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. So Absalom waited like two years, sort of being crafty or sneaky, you might say, and then he killed Amnon, and he fled to Gesher. He created an event where he could kill him. So then if we look now, mind you, this is a quick summary, so if you have anything you want to look at further, we can, but I'm just summarizing. In chapter 14, after three years, now this was three years that Absalom was away in Gesher, um, after three years, Joab convinced David to bring Absalom back to Jerusalem, and and this, uh, to my way of thinking of it, was they he was understanding that Absalom killed Amnon because you know he had raped his sister and that was the problem, right? And then he dishonored her even further. But nonetheless, um, so when Joab did this, he used a woman who kind of told David a story. And it was similar to what we saw Nathan do when he wanted to tell David about his sin with Bathsheba and get his attention to the fact that he had killed her husband and and let him know that he was doing wrong. So Joab does kind of a similar thing using this woman to tell a story to David that gets him to that same point and says, why don't you bring your son back? So David allowed for Absalom to come back to Jerusalem, but he was not to be in the king's presence. So, and then after two years in Jerusalem, Absalom wanted to meet with David, um, even if the king chose to kill him for his guilt. He still wanted to meet with him. See, he had been told he couldn't be in the king's presence, so he hadn't seen David for like two years, plus the three where he was gone, I guess that's five years, so. Um, so Joab arranged that after Absalom set his field on fire to get his attention because he wouldn't respond to Absalom's requests. And you can read these chapters, it's, it's a lot of interesting stuff, but I'm again summarizing. So he arranged that, and then David kissed Absalom and forgave him, seemed like. He didn't say that you know, outright, but it says that David kissed him And he seemed to be forgiving. That was implying love and forgiveness. And then in chapter 15, again, 2 Samuel, um, it tells us Absalom was handsome. And then he seemed to be pretty devious in what he was up to. He managed to turn people's hearts to him from David, especially the tribes of Israel. He told them that he could better judge their disputes for them than David could. Now, and he, he did this, he kind of worked this plan for like four years. So after four years of that, he asked David's leave to go to Hebron, and he had some reason, oh, I remember, he claimed he was going to worship, but really what he was doing was he was setting himself up to be king, to be declared king and anointed king. So he did that, and when David heard of that, David fled Jerusalem. Now, there's some, little, there's some little odd things that go on during these times, like Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant and caregiver, lied, and he came with David and brought a couple of uh, pack animals, if I remember right, maybe he was riding one, but nonetheless, and he lied and said that Mephibosheth stayed behind to get his inheritance, like he was going to receive his inheritance of being Saul's, Grandson, I suppose. Um, nonetheless, that, like I said, that was a lie. But uh, also in this chapter, one of Saul's family, Sh- um, Shimei, S H I M E I, so or Shemai, he cursed David. He he held a grudge against David, but David did not let his men harm him. Did not he? He restrained his his men and. I'm getting the feeling as I was reading this that, you know, David is getting older and he's kind of tired of all the bloodshed in a way, you know, he doesn't want to just immediately kill everybody, which is good. But anyway, so Absalom goes to Jerusalem and David's friend Hushai convinced him that he would be loyal to Absalom, but he was actually being a spy for David. So then in chapter 17, Hushai, again, if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize, convinces Absalom not to take the advice of his counselor. Now his counselor has an interesting name, Ahithophel, I think, or something to that effect. We'll go with that. Anyway, (laughs) this counselor was highly esteemed, actually, but Hushai convinced Absalom to not listen to him And this actually saved David's life as he would have most likely been caught and overwhelmed. And then in a weird kind of just aside, this counselor went home and hung himself. I'm, this is just the way it was. Chapter 18, chapter 18, David musters an army from Judah and goes to fight Absalom, Absalom gets caught, Caught in a tree, like in the fork of a tree or something odd, he gets his head stuck. So he's stuck in this tree, and I imagine it's probably partly due to armor or whatever that he's stuck and can't get himself down. I'm just best I can from the description given. You think it's his hair? Oh, why is it his hair? I'm not. Well, now it does say he only cuts his hair once a year. Hmm. Hmm. That might. Hold, I don't know if that would hold the weight of a guy, but it might. It depends on how much you. If you have a lot, I never had a lot. Does it obviously. Awesome? Doesn't say something about. It? I'm sure it says something about his hair, but it didn't. I don't. I didn't think it said it in those verses. Yeah. It,
1: what verse nine? Thick branches. Uh, his his head caught fast. His head.
0: Okay. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I took that as too. Right. Right. See, when I read it and it said head, and, but I had forgotten about the hair now. So that's, that's a fair point. It could have involved his hair and stuff. Yes. In the NIV, it does say Absalom's
1: hair got caught into the tree. He was left hanging in
0: mid air while the mule he was wrapped okay. continued on. Okay. Okay. So he, and in my translation in the ESV, it said it caught, his head was caught. But. That would make sense with what you all are saying, and they did make mention of his hair, and it's like he's being hung by his own vanity, right? Because he had this long, pretty hair, you know. Okay, that was good. See, I, I didn't catch that when I was reading through and trying to do this summary, so that was nice. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, anyway, but so he's stuck in the tree, right? And um, Joab kills him. Now another guy didn't kill him because he had heard David say that he wanted them to treat Absalom gently or kindly and not kill him, was the obvious intent. But uh, Joab uh, killed him anyway, just killed him. Now David grieves greatly over Absalom and we go into chapter 19 and Joab reminds him of his duty. He, He didn't do anything to Joab regarding this. But Joab reminds him of his duty to his people and that he should love those who were loyal to him. Because it was it was upsetting to those who were loyal to David to see him grieving so bad for Absalom, who I'm I'm sure they probably considered a traitor, but it doesn't say that. I'm just saying that would make some sense to me. David also pardons his enemies, the tribes of Israel, and he judges between Zebah and and Mephibosheth saying they should just go ahead and split their inheritance, the inheritance between them, which is kind of odd since Zeba had lied and David had initially told him that, well, you can have it if Mephibosheth is not being loyal. But uh, anyway, I think again, David is being more merciful as he gets older. He's being more, yeah, more merciful. He's not into all the harshness. Then when we look at chapter 20, Sheba, a a Benjaminite, rebelled against David, maybe due to enmity through the fact that David had replaced Saul. That's not really sad, just a thought. Uh, Amasa was someone who was supposed to gather the army of Judah and meet David, but delayed too long so that... uh, they were, they, David felt like uh, he had allowed Sheba to become too much of a threat. Joab killed Amasa and then pursued Sheba, besieging him at this town called Abel or Abel, A-B-E-L, of another name that I can't really say, it's like Baymaka or something. But then speaking to a wise woman of the city, which I'm assuming she must have been somehow their leader in some way. She was the wise woman of the city. Joab offered to take just Sheba's head and leave the city because they were, they, they were sieging it. And the city agreed and threw his head to him, to, to Joab, threw Sheba's head to him. So then in chapter 21, David gives seven sons of Saul's line to avenge the Gibeonites for Saul's persecution of them, but he did not give them Mephibosheth due to his oath to protect him. And then there was a war again with the Philistines, and David was at at risk. And you get the feeling that David is getting older, and maybe he's not as physically uh, able to fight as he was when he was younger because his commanders said he should not go forward or forth into battle anymore, any longer. And I just say that's possibly a sign of him just getting older. If you you look at athletes, you know, once you're in your 30s, you're out of your prime, you know. It's like, that's professional athletes, that's just the way it is. So he may have been, and he may have been older than that, we don't know. Um, Doesn't really say. So then in chapter 22, there's really not much to summarize there. David gives a beautiful song or psalm of deliverance that is well worth reading. Um, I can't even summarize that, it's just really good. And then chapter 23 has what looks to be like another psalm that this person called the last words of David. It looks kind of like a psalm, maybe it's not, but it kind of looks that way. And this also, this chapter also tells of his mighty men of war that were loyal and followed him. And then chapter 24 tells of a census that David took that he really wasn't supposed to. And it's recounted in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 with perhaps a better explanation. The way it's stated here might sound a little confusing to you because it says like God urged him to do it. And then later he says he sinned against God by doing it, which doesn't really make sense until you look at the other account and it's more like God allowed, because God was angered at uh, things they were doing wrong, he allowed that to happen. But uh, anyway, David's heart struck him and he repented and then he had to choose between three punishments. I don't know how you decide, but he decided on one, uh, I think that was like just a few days, uh, but then David asked that God's hand just be on him and his house and spare the people. And God told him to raise an altar to the Lord, and he bought the threshing floor and the animals for the sacrifice and, alt- and to make the altar from this Arana, the Jebusite. And that averted the, the rest of the plague. So that's what happened before we got here into 1 Kings chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 10, because we looked, at, we looked at the first few verses which talked about how old David was when he died and stuff. So we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, well, I'm sure I didn't say that correctly, sorry, and with Abiathar, Abiathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Hoida. Nathan, the prophet, Shimei. Now, Shimei, you might notice here, he's now counted as loyal to David, but he was the Benjaminite that was cursing David back in the previous chapters. And, but David had forgiven him along with forgiving all his enemies. He had forgiven him. And so now he's actually loyal to David. I just thought that was interesting. Ray, or R-E-I, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the stone of Zohaleth, which is by Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the mighty men, or Solomon his brother. So that was the one son he did not invite. So if we look at question three, how did the situation described in verses one through four relate to this attempt to usurp the, th- the throne? Yes, ma'am.
1: One through four was talking about how he Right. But David was old, and he needed a woman to keep him warm and stuff. So, so maybe that showed that he was weak or something, and so had an opportunity to, to take
0: over. Right. I, I I was thinking the same thing. He was old and seemingly incapacitated, not in good health to be able to really continue, and so he assumed. I think Adonijah assumed he could just take over. And maybe that's because he was firstborn. maybe he thought that was the right thing to do, but the way he went about it didn't, no, he wasn't first born, I'm sorry. I'm confusing the Absalom thing, pardon me. He was second born though and Absalom was dead and gone, so he may have assumed that it would be his right to do that as well. Just saying. Alright. So then if we look at question four, in what two ways did Adonijah follow the precedent set by Absalom before him? Then they give us some things to compare. And I thought their comparison was a little odd, but maybe y'all will get it better than I did. I'm just going to say it. Yes, go ahead, minute. The,
1: the verse 5, I guess, has to do with the chariots and horsemen that ran before him. So that, I know that was what Absalom did. Yes. To kind of make himself look important, I guess. He had these men running before him. Look, I'll, I'll yeah. help you and save you. And so he's... Doing that
0: same kind of thing yes now I, I agree that's the same thing and that's actually in second Samuel chapter 15 verse 1 not verse two I think that's why I said I think they I think they missed it by verse because um, verse two talks about Absalom going to the gate let's see so three reasons. Wait, am I looking at? The, I looked at. I sorry, I skipped it down. So in what two ways? So there's that. The fact that he was following the example of his older brother with the chariots and the horsemen. Now they also mention verses nine and ten, right? Or they they point us to nine and ten, and they mention Samuel fifteen verses seven through twelve. And this is where Absalom says to David, well, let me read these few verses here. Now it came to pass that Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow which I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for the counselor Ahithophel, the, the Gilonite David's counselor, from his city, from Gilo where, uh, while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So if we look at that and then we look at verses, they point us to 9 and 10, you'll see that Adonijah, Adonijah, invited and brought along certain people who would be in with his little coronation and, uh, also a little conspiracy to take the throne, right? And then there were people that were loyal to David he did not invite. Right? So he kind of did the same thing again. He was repeating what his older brother did. Well, it, I don't know if he got that far. It doesn't sound like it. So no, Hebron was, when
1: David first became king, I think that was actually at That was his first later
0: Yeah, because here, what he did this, he did this somewhere else at another location, right? He was doing this at another location. Maybe he thought Hebron was the reason it didn't work. I, I don't know. So then, if we look at, uh, do you have anything else on that? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Right. That's what we're doing. Right. If you look at verse 4, he says, well, uh, he would say to the people, if I was the judge of the land, I would give you justice. Um, and then verse 5, when anyone approached him to bow down, Absalom would reach out his hand, and take hold, and kiss him. He behaved in this way toward all of the Israelites who came to the king to seek justice and he stole the hearts of the people. So did Adonijah also even that way? I mean, there was like this whole and a big show.
0: It didn't say that here, that Adonijah did all of that, but the implication is that he was following in his brother's footsteps doing the same type of thing. That's the implication. Yes, ma'am. I'm confused when they, they
1: say that uh, Adonijah was a son of Haggith, hey, is that, is that uh, one of David's wives? Yes. Because I thought, how could that
0: be the father? <laughs> you know, oh, the right, because Haggith sounds like a man's name, doesn't the it? So this, this, this must have been the mother. This right? must have been the mother, yes. That's an odd name, I know. Used. Yeah, It does not sound like a woman's name to me either, but let's see. Um, all right, so if we look at... Question five. List the three reasons given in verse six why Adonijah made his move toward the throne. He was also good looking. I guess it does because. You can get away with it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? So he was good looking. That is one reason. Well, it
1: seems like Absalom and Adonijah was this celebrity status. You know, they were admired. They were handsome. People loved them, and they made this big show when they would come into towns, and people liked their whole spectacle and the
0: excitement. And so they were vain and maybe proud, and they they felt like they had the people on their side. Yeah, they. Yeah. Oh, was his mother on his on his right just, um. Well, it says his mother had born him after Absalom, so he was the second. He was the second son. I mean, and Absalom, like we said, was dead at this point. Excuse me. He's out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, he's out of the picture. So, so yeah, but. Yes, they were princes they were David's sons so they were princes
1: women that would have these children with the king all secretly hoped like oh mine
0: like the vast I'm I'm sure they were esteemed and fawned over and all that yeah that's yes man that
1: first statement in verse six is kind of puzzling but I think so his father had never at any time displeased him by asking why have you done thus and so I think it's. I think he never got in trouble with dad, is what it means. And yep. so he's a good character. So he's not looked down upon. Like of course, Absalom all kinds of horrible things he did even before he tried to take over. But this guy had a clean clean record, so maybe that gave him some credit
0: Maybe. And I, you know, I looked at that too. This translation says his father had not rebuked him at any time, and that just made me think. You know. Uh, you know about him possibly having being spoiled, even just thinking that I get away with everything. I can do whatever I want. You know, yes, you can do no wrong. right. I can do no wrong. I'm he's a prince, yeah. Well, that right. that all kind of goes into that same mindset of. Never got on case. And maybe he was a good guy because it never says that he got into any trouble. So I mean, that is a possibility. But uh, even even if he was, he's he's going a different way. So let's see, so yeah, so there's there's our three reasons right there. He, he had not been rebuked or, you know, uh, anything by his father, and uh, he was good looking, so, and his mother had borne him after Absalom, so, and Absalom was gone. Does anybody have anything else before we move on? Yes, sure. 2
1: uh, Samuel 3. Okay. about the different sons of David. And it's saying here that I can't pronounce it, Adonam, Job, whatever.
0: He is the fourth son. He is after Absalom. Let's see. His, first, his firstborn was actually Amnon who Absalom killed. So um, his second was Chiliab or... I don't know how you would say that. It looks like... It's C-H-I-L-E-A-B. So to me, that looks like Chiliab. It may just be that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting chili. I don't know. Uh, then, that was from Abigail. And then Absalon was third. You're, you're absolutely right. And then uh, Adonijah was fourth. But I don't know what happened to Chiliab, if he was still around or if he was not considered... Uh, you know, sometimes... This was by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, so it may be that in their custom, even though he was a son, he was considered Nabal's son, and so wouldn't really be counted in David's lineage for the throne.
1: Where you Solomon know
0: you know, they had those customs, so and I don't know that that's the fact. I'm just saying, where
1: did Solomon
0: in? Solomon came in. let me see. These were the ones. The sixth, okay, these list the, the six that were born in Hebron. Solomon, oh, Solomon comes in later with Bathsheba, right? Yeah. So I don't know how many children David had before Solomon, right off the top of my head. And he had concubines too, so I, I mean, I just don't even, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many children he had altogether. Yes. Well, remember in Hebron, that's where he was at first until they took Jerusalem and made that the capital. It wasn't Hebron the capital first. So. so, I mean, that's where he was for years, right? Maybe Gilead was not handsome. Well, yeah, maybe he wasn't handsome. That could be. But, yeah. So, I'm sorry. So, uh, Shirley, was that, what was your question? Or was that more of a statement?
1: That was just a statement. I, I
0: didn't have a question That's fine, I'm, I'm sorry. The whole
1: thing in a nutshell is he he did this well, regardless of
0: what number he was of being a son. Right, right. Yeah, he still did this regardless, right, but um so but since since the older kids seem to be taking each other out of the picture, you know it kinda it kinda moved him up the rank. And you'll notice that that happened in a lot of royal families in history where different ones knocked off the others and They just kept moving up, but that's another, that's historical, that's another thing. So then, oh, I flipped back a page. That's why I'm lost, I'm on the wrong page. Okay, so if we look at question six then, what important persons were supporters of Adonijah's claim to the throne? Because there, there was probably at least two that would be surprising:
1: Joab
0: and Abathar. Yeah, Joab and the priest, Abiathar, Abath, whatever. <laughs> His name, yes. So, yeah, those two were supporters. And then the second part of the question is what important people or persons were not supporters? Nathan? Right, Nathan was not. Zadok. Z- yeah, Zadok, Zadok, Zadok was not. Uh, they also listed that Shemai. That's the one I just said, Ray, but I don't know if that's correct. And yeah, and the mighty men who were loyal to David that that we've mentioned previously. These were the warriors that were loyal to David. And also a guy by the name of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. So those were the ones that I had listed that were not on Absalom's. Uh, (laughs) Yes, those mighty men, those warriors who were loyal to David, who had been his his men, fighting for him, fighting with him. So, Does anybody have anything on that before we move forward? All right. So, oh, is it already? I'm sorry. Okay. I, I didn't realize it was so late, so I have pretty much uh, burned through our time here. So I'm gonna stop us here and we'll pick up, well I guess Josh will actually pick up with question number seven next week. Thank you all for your time and your attention and interaction.